The Bob Murphy Show, episode 78. you gonna do get ready for another episode of the bob murphy show the podcast promoting free markets free minds and grateful souls it's your source for commentary and interviews conducted by a christian and economist now here's your host bob murphy hey everybody welcome to another episode of the bob murphy show in this episode i'm flying solo again I want to cover four techniques or strategies that people had for advancing liberty, and I'm going to give the pros and cons of each of them, and then I'm going to offer broader uh, thoughts on these issues, and I'll call it, in the interest of being glib and cute, Bob's Lessons for Libertarians. So, of course, here I'm doing a play on Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. So, the first one I want to talk about so-called National Opt-Out Day. Now, the older listeners may remember what I'm talking about here, but to set the context, this was back, so there's the September 11th attacks, the TSA, Transportation Security Administration, is formed. They come in, they federalize airport security. It's in case people don't know that, before September 11th attacks, the security at airports was not something that the federal government was directly involved in. And then it was deemed, oh, the free market failed us. That's why we need to get the government, federal government involved. And um, eventually they unveiled what we colloquially refer to as the naked body scanners. And it's also interesting is at this point, I haven't heard people complain about that much. So I think we've all just sort of taken it for granted now. But in case, again, for the younger people who were too young to, to know about this, to be aware of it, civil liberties types, so not just libertarians, but the broader coalition of groups that are genuinely concerned about civil liberties, even if they're not libertarian, uh, they did push back against this. So when those things first came out, there was an outcry. And one of the things that the opposition organized was this so-called national opt-out day, right? So the, the scanners were unrolled or, or opened up in airports across the country in the year 2010. I'm not sure. I tried to do some background checking here, and it was difficult for me to get a timeline down. But uh, I mean, if, if it's not in Wikipedia, what, what are you going to do? Because they, you know they had them in pilot programs at various airports first, and then they started unveiling them more and more. But where this really became a national issue was in the year 2010, and so and, and people were you know complaining about because because the deal was at least the, the original versions of these things, now they claim they're software that makes you just look like a generic naked person, male or female, without, you know, real intricate uh, detail. But the deal is these scanners were supposed to show the operator basically a naked picture of you. Like it could scan through your clothes and it, you know, would re be very revealing. And, and that was the whole point was, oh, see, we can see uh, if you're carrying weapons or whatever, things that conventional x-rays might miss and so forth. And so people are pushing back against that. And then the TSA said, oh, well, if you don't want to use these things, you can opt out. But of course, we, we're not just going to let you get on the plane if you're going to opt out. And we're not just going to let you go through the traditional scanners, the traditional x-ray machine that everybody would go through, or you know, metal detector, I should say. We're not going to let you go through those things because um, 
that that's they're not deemed safe enough, right? In other words, if if the whole point why are we introducing these naked body scanners is that the traditional techniques aren't good enough. Which which by the way, that's a non sequitur regarding September eleventh because box cutters were allowed on the planes, right? So it's not that the checkpoint security failed on September eleventh. And I, I know folks many of you think it was an inside job. I'm not taking a position on that right now. I'm just saying, even according to the standard official narrative of what happened to respond by totally beefing up the security checkpoints is a bit of a non sequitur because it's, it's not that people, you know, the official story guys bringing box cutters on the planes. It's not that, Oh shoot. They, they weren't allowed to have those box cutters on the planes. It's just the stupid private security missed it. And that's why we need to have the government come in and federalize it to make sure none of those, no, that even if they had seen that, you know, if they had just walked up and said, here you go, yeah, I'm bringing this on the plane. They would say, yeah, fine. You're allowed to bring that on. Okay. So it was the rules as to what was allowed on the plane. If you want to say what failed that day. And again, according to the official narrative, but in any event, um, I'm saying it wouldn't work just to say, oh, if you don't want to go through these more enhanced body scanners because you're worried about the TSA employees basically seeing what you look like naked and, you know, and for all you know, saving your image, right? I mean, just think about celebrities going through there. Like, they, you know, they could be legitimately concerned. Is the TSA now going to have an image of what I basically look like naked and then be able to put that on the internet or something? So, um, you to just say, oh, if you're concerned, you can opt out and go through the traditional security. That doesn't work because of then, you know, for one thing, everybody could do that. But also the whole alleged reason we need this is the traditional security measures, you know, the traditional metal detector people were using for decades beforehand aren't good enough ostensibly. That's why we need these uh, enhanced body scanners. And so what would they do if people didn't want to go through it? The TSA says, oh, you can opt out. You can step aside. Someone will come and pat you down. And this is not a perfunctory, eh, a little half-hearted, just, you know, smacking your pockets a little bit, making sure you don't have an Uzi in there. Like it's, it's a pretty intense experience. And so that was deemed unacceptable too. And so a lot of the people were upset. And so what they did, amongst other things, was this guy found that a website called optoutday.com and they came up with a plan that on the busiest travel day of the year, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, right? So in case you just didn't know that, that typically in the United States, obviously, the, the single most air travel occurs the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And so this national opt-out day was to be coordinated on that day. And so they were trying to get, you know, get the word out. And so they, they launched this website ahead of time, obviously. They wanted to give time to build this thing up and to get the word out. And so the idea was, hey, in order to get the government to back off on this plan, why don't we just get a bunch of us, we're all going to show up at the airport the day before Thanksgiving, you know, so this is in 2010, the first year. So this is the first time you would have had a chance to do it, in other words. So they were organizing this for the first Wednesday before Thanksgiving that would occur once this new policy was unveiled. And we're going you know, to get a bunch of us and we're all going to opt out. Right. So what's the government going to do that, you know, they can't, they're not going to have everybody miss their flight right before Thanksgiving. There's going to be a public outright. We're going to overwhelm the system. All right. Um, let me just read a quote. So this is um, from the website and I'm just relying on a news story here, quoting from it saying, quote, the government should not have the ability to virtually strip search anyone it wants without cause, says the website optoutday.com. 
We do not believe the government has a right to see you naked or aggressively touch you just because you bought an airline ticket. Okay. And so that's, so for people who are constitutionalists and that kind of thing, that was part of the arguments they were making. They were saying basically what these scanners are doing is the government's strip searching you just to, before you get on a plane and in you know, that's, they're saying you're not supposed to be able to do that without cause, right? It's not like cops can just walk up to you for no reason and say, Hey, come over here, take your pants down. We're going to do a cavity search here, you know? So that's, that's what they're saying that that's effectively what was happening. This is crazy. So again, the plan was, the goal was we're going to get the government to back off on this because if enough of us opt out, we're going to overwhelm the system. They can't pat down that many people quickly enough. And so everybody's going to be missing their flights the day before Thanksgiving. There's going to be a public outcry. The government's going to have to back off. That was the idea. So what ended up happening in, in this, I don't know if there was a scrubbing of the news or, or what, but I distinctly remember, I mean, I filed this away mentally when it happened because I was fascinated by it. It actually worked. Okay. It was an unmitigated success. It was pure total victory, flawless victory. Because what happened was at certain airports, enough people showed up and were getting ready to opt out that the government just waved them all through. The TSA just waved them through the red, the regular, you know, metal detector thing that you would you, know, you normally you would get on. The stuff that people had been using for decades and that people didn't care about that so much. Okay. So they weren't using the new thing and they weren't patting them down either. All right. So that's the way the government dealt with this potential problem of thousands of people potentially missing their flights right before Thanksgiving because of their new policy that they had unveiled. Right. Because again, the government was saying, we're not forcing anybody to go through these things that, yeah, technically are giving the TSA the ability to basically see you naked because you can always opt out. And so what these people are saying, okay, if enough of us elect to opt out, that will overwhelm their resources. And then they'll have to admit, yeah, we can't handle that. And so again, what I'm saying is I know, I remembered that it happened. I, I don't, I don't know if I was in an airport that day. I can't remember, but I know when this, because I was curious and I wanted to see how is this going to play out. So I paid attention. And so, like I say, it, it, I don't remember how many airports, but I know for a fact that I saw reports and I don't just mean like from someone on Twitter who was there. I'm saying like official news stories that were saying because of the lines at certain airports, the TSA just waved people through the regular metal detector in order to relieve the congestion so that people wouldn't miss their flights. So again, that's, that's a total victory. What else, you know, would you have wanted to happen on that day? Right. It's, in other words, it's not like the president's going to go on national television and say, uh, I have been informed of the, of the lines. And so therefore we're going to get rid of these body scanners. I mean, that's not going to happen, right? What are they going to do right in the moment is they're just going to wave everybody through. And so they're admitting that, yeah, push comes to shove, I guess these metal detectors aren't so unsafe after all, right? In other words, if they were saying beforehand, it is completely unacceptable. We're not letting anybody get on the plane without either going through a body scanner or getting a pat down because we could have another September 11th and that's why we need this policy. Well, then why are they waving everybody through, right? So that's the idea. And by the way, let me just mention as an aside, to this day, I still see that happening, right? I've been at airports where I'm in a long line and I'm getting ready you know, and I'm just trying to decide, am I going to opt out or not? Because if I have plenty of time, I, I opt out both for principled reasons. And also, you know, I don't like that. <laughs> Let me do another tangent here. One time I, I was going to opt out or I did opt out. And I told the guy, the TSA person, and he goes, I'm not making this up. He says, you want to opt? He goes, are you sure? He said, no, you, you can, these machines are safe. They fixed them. He actually said that to me. He said, the machines are safe. You can go through it. They fixed them. 
And I just, I just said, yeah, that's fine. But I was thinking, oh, that's funny because I never heard the government announce the machines had been unsafe. So in any event, they still do that where if the line backs up, the TSA person will just tell people, yeah, go through this and they'll go through the regular metal detector. Um, so in any event, I know they did that in large scales on this national opt-out day, but the way the media reported it, they kept saying it was a, it fizzled. Um, so for example, I'm looking out uh, at this Fox News headlines, as many opting out of, quote, national opt-out day. And so that's the way they covered it. There were other reports. So they're just, so you don't get confused. If you're opting out of the opt-out day, that means you're not participating with it. That's so they're trying to be clever with that. Um, and other news stories right after it happened covered it the same way and said, ah, it was a big bust. You know, there were some activists and they were quoting people making sarcastic jokes like, um, oh yeah, I got patted down more at a, at a rock concert and I'm really glad the TSA is doing what they want and other people saying, oh yeah, I've, I've seen more people show up, uh, you know, selling Girl Scout cookies than were handing out leaflets for this thing, right? So the, the media treated it like this was a ludicrous thing with a bunch of fringe nut job people who apparently want buildings to be knocked down rather than reporting it as this was a total victory that they forced the government's hand, the government waved them through the metal detectors, thereby admitting that their rationale for this is bogus, right? That if they're saying, no, it's, it's too unsafe to let people fly using the conventional security measures. Well, then why are you waving everybody through? All right. So that was the, uh, the, uh, the reason I'm saying though earlier when I was like, I don't know why, if it's been scrubbed or not, I'm, I was trying to find, news reports saying how the government waved people through and I can't find any now. So admittedly, I didn't search for three hours, but my point is when this happened, I know for sure at least some news stories were saying what happened and were just spinning it as, eh, what's the big deal? In other words, they were spinning it like these organizers thought they were going to really disrupt air travel and, and show how unfeasible and impractical the new security measures were, but they were wrong. You know, those whiners when the reason the congestion that many had been warning about didn't occur was again, the government just waved everybody through the traditional scanners. That's, that's why there wasn't the congestion. And, and so again, I re, I'm saying, I remember at the time you could see a news story that told you all you needed to know to realize they were spinning it. Whereas now I can't find any, they're all just saying like, yeah, just a few protesters showed up and they and then and the lines were going through smoothly. I can't see any of them admitting that at least in some of the major airports, they had to wave people through. So you'll have to take my word for it that that is what happened. Next one I want to focus on is so-called Robin Hooding. So this is something, I thought this was a very clever idea. And it was, it has to do with uh, Keene, New Hampshire. So the people who are moving to New Hampshire for um, the Free State Project. I mean, that's not one and the same, but a lot of this is overlap between those groups. And so here, why don't I, uh, there was actually a Colbert report segment on this, calling it Difference Makers, the Free Keen Squad. So here, I'll play a little excerpt from that. We confronted jackbooted city councilor Randy Filio for a response. Free Keen claims that they're free and keen from something. Most of us that have lived here all of our lives really haven't figured that part out yet. And quite honestly, I don't think they've really figured it out yet. Um, so if they ever do figure it out, I, I wish you'd give some of us a call. Ring, ring, Randy. Better get the phone, because they figured it out. Parking meters. You heard him right. Parking meters. If we're going to have a government, I mean, I feel like that they should do 
uh, kind of the basics. They should defend life, liberty, and property. And I don't really see how issuing parking tickets meets any of those goals. So Free Keen sprang into action by running ahead of meter maids and putting coins in the meters before they expire. They call it Robin Hooding. They've been filming themselves doing it for years and have posted hundreds of clips on the web, some of which have gotten multiple views. Okay, so there you have it. And of course, in the in the notes, I'll put the link to the whole segment if you want to watch it. It's It's pretty funny. And so here, let me just mention that you know what, before I say it, let me just circle back about the, the national opt-out. I think what I should do is give the pros and cons for each one. So the, the good thing of that was it, it totally worked. The two downsides I saw, number one, the government just, they totally played them, right? The government looked at what was coming. They realized, yeah, this is going to be bad. And so I think they just gave out the instructions to say, just wave people through if congestion gets too bad. And then we'll have the news, you know, our, our responsible outlets just cover it, make it sound like these people are a bunch of whiners and it didn't do anything because most Americans, by gosh, are concerned about security and they know the government's just trying to keep them safe. So it, it didn't, I mean, they won that day, but they obviously didn't get rid of the body scanners, right? And so the way the government dealt with that was just waving them through. So I think part of the mistake or the reason that didn't fully work is that the organizers were assuming the government actually believed its own lies, Right, that the government wasn't just going to wave everybody through the metal detectors because you said that's not the you know that that's not safe. So how could you do that? You're letting us all possibly knock down buildings and hijack planes right before Thanksgiving. Why would you let us do that? Because they know that's not what's going to happen, right? So, um, so I again, I think to the extent that that strategy was going to work, if what your goal was was to promote a bigger public backlash that might get rid of those scanners and change the policy you were had to assume that they weren't going to wave everybody through, but they did. Okay. So there's that element beyond that though, in order for that to have really had a long lasting impact on policy. Yeah. A bunch of people would have had to miss their flights right before Thanksgiving. And I think that would have really hurt your credibility and, and not garnered you sympathy with the public, which is why also I don't um, like when you see these groups protesting and they're like blocking traffic and stuff and people are trying to get to work. I mean, Besides the fact that I usually don't agree with the objectives of those protesters, typically, even if I did agree with it, I, I just, I don't think that's, that's very effective, right? That what you're trying to do is to get more of the public to listen to your message and to, you know, thoughtfully give you a chance to make your case to see what, what are you complaining about? What are you talking about? American empire? You're, you know, what, what are your concerns here? And I don't think you're going to win an audience and garner sympathy by making people show up late to work or by making them miss Thanksgiving with their family. And so that's my other criticism of that. But again, I mean, it depends on what their objectives were. If the objective was just to overwhelm them once to show them we can do it. Okay. But you know, is it really worth organizing and having that huge coordinated effort just so that that one day you get waved through the scanner or through the, you know, conventional metal detector to me that that seems like a lot of effort for a pretty small payoff. Okay, so back to the Robin Hood thing. So you heard Colbert make fun of it. So my problem is in the, in the city of Keene brought a lawsuit against the group because they didn't merely go around putting change in, right? So make sure you get, you get the, uh, the full context here. What they would do is they, you know, someone parked their car with the park, you know, where there's a meter 
it ran out, right? So now this car is a sitting duck or it was close to running out. And so if the parking meters expired and your car sitting there, you're going to get a ticket. And they, you know, the city of Keene had meter maids going around, both men and women, uh, giving out parking tickets. And so what the Robin Hood group would do is they would go out with quarters or I guess other change and they would just go patrolling. And if they saw a car that was either sitting with an expired meter or one that was getting close to expired, they would go in and put in some change to buy you time. And, and this is crucial, then they would also put like a little card or a leaflet or something under the person's windshield wiper, telling them what happened. And they had, a, and I'm, I don't remember the exact wording, but you know, some of those guys told me what they did. It's like a little thing saying, we have spared you from the king's poll tax you know, go to this website for more information, signed, you know, Robin Hooders or whatever, or free queen, free keen squad, something like that. Okay. So it was letting the person, you know, they weren't just doing it secretly. Like you would know if you came back to your car that they had done that on your behalf. And then they gave you an action item. They gave you somewhere to go where you would go get, you know, go read our enemy, the state or something. Okay. So that, that's what they were doing. So let me be clear. If that's all they did, that to me is just about the perfect strategy for advancing liberty, right? Because it helps people immediately, like, you know, spares them something that you're, you're just putting in a few quarters and sparing them, whatever it is, I don't know, $25, $50 parking ticket. I don't don't know what the fine was. So that's good in and of itself, just sparing somebody that relatively low cost, except for your time. And it's educating them. And no normal person is going to be upset by that. They're going to think, oh, that's cool. Thank you. Right, that doesn't hurt anybody except possibly the city's treasurer, because now they're not getting as much revenue from parking tickets. Okay, so if that's all they did, that would have been beautiful, and I would have said to everybody, "That is a model. Look at that. That's great." But that's not all they did. They also, and then the Colbert thing gets into it. They would then follow the meter maids around, harassing them. And now you can say, "What constitutes harassment, Bob?" But I mean, it, it it's harassment. Like they're <laughs> They're on camera, you know, they're, there's a, why, why are you doing this? We're going to follow you around. We're going to do this for, you know, and it's, it's harassment. You can say it's justified harassment, but it is harassment. And so I'm saying that the the point of doing this is to win public sympathy, right? To have the public think you're the good guys. So when the city goes against you, they're the bad guys. That's the reason for doing this, or that's one of the things you got to be doing. And you completely uh, give that away by then being personally obnoxious, which is, I think, what they were doing with the harassment stuff, okay? So if you want to see more examples, you can go to the the link. Again, this is bobmurphyshow.com slash 78. But that was something where I thought, oh, you guys had such a brilliant idea. And then the implementation, though, in my opinion, uh, was counterproductive. Okay, what else we got here? How about the taxation is theft stuff, right? So the people who are, um, when you go to a restaurant and, you, and you, you're paying for your, your meal, and then there's a line on the credit card statement saying how much of a tip do you want to give? And so this is now a popular thing where people just write taxation is theft, and then they leave the tip as cash, right? So this one I like, because again, it gets the message out. It's a very memorable phrase, right? It's easy to remember taxation is theft. It doesn't harm anybody. And what, what the logic is, by the way, in case you don't get it, the idea is if you declare on the receipt or, you know, on the credit card statement, what the tip is that you're leaving, then that 
gets ta- that's taxable. That's the idea. Okay, so they're saying if we leave it in cash instead, then technically the government doesn't know how much I tipped you, and so um, you know you're you're getting that tax free. And presumably this works best if you leave a really good tip too, because that gets the person's attention. All right, so that's another technique that people have been using. And then they'll also take pictures of it and put it on Facebook and whatnot and Twitter, right? To say, oh, I just had a nice meal, took the opportunity to drop a truth bomb on my server, that kind of thing. Okay, and then the last one that's becoming popular more recently here is the whole Epstein didn't kill himself memes, that whole genre, right? I'm sure you've seen it if, if you somehow have missed it. It's, you know, so Epstein gets arrested and people are, oh my gosh, and these revelations are coming out, like, you know, resurrecting stories that have been around for a while, but now it's getting mainstream coverage. People are joking about how he's going to be dead in his cell. Then he is dead in his cell and people are, what? And the official story is, oh yeah, he killed himself. And oh shoot, the video cameras from that night malfunctioned. Huh, how about that? All right, and everybody's freaking out for a couple days. They can't believe that, oh my gosh, they expect us to believe this. And then it just kind of faded away. And so originally I saw people occasionally just doing things like, you know, sending out a tweet or a Facebook post just saying, hey, I'm just here to remind people that, you know, Epstein was found dead in his cell and they're saying it was a suicide when that's ludicrous. And, you know, I'm just going to bring that up. And, you know, it was kind of a few people would like that where you move on with your life and everyone just kind of resigned themselves to they're, they're going to get away with it. You know, I think I, even I said that one of the earlier episodes here, I don't remember which one off the top of my head, but. I remember telling you folks, you know, come on, nothing's going to happen here. And I'm pleasantly surprised because people figured out a way to keep the issue alive. And namely what they did was they started doing this Epstein didn't kill himself in the memes. And so they, it, it evolved over time. And I'm, I'm assuming many of you already know what I'm talking about, but on the off chance you don't. So it was like they would take uh, like a scene from a movie and have some of the dialogue going back and forth. But then one of the characters would say, and Epstein didn't kill himself, all right? Or they would have uh, something that looked like it was a standard thing, like, oh, something every child should hear. You know, you are special. You are loved. You can be anything you want when you grow up. Epstein didn't kill himself, right? It was that kind of stuff where they would take standard things and then throw that in there as a zinger. And so once that, that started taking off and people started tweaking it and doing it in different applications, and so the point, they were funny, right? Once you once you got the pattern, they were enjoyable to share. And so they kind of took off. And so that, uh, I would say, kept, kept it alive in the public consciousness. All right, so those are four different strategies people have used to sort of push back against the abuses of, of the coercive state apparatus. And let me <laughs> just sum up. I don't, you know, I don't want to get too profound here or anything. Um, just wanted to make note of those things and look at the pros and cons of these. And, and so what I liked about the, the Epstein one in particular is it was fun, right? That it, it started picking up steam on its own. It wasn't a chore, right? So in light of all these examples here, here is my list. I came up with seven things I'll call. These are, uh, these are Murphy's lessons for libertarians in terms of coming up with tactics that advanced liberty and, and I think uh, grab what was good about these things I just suggested while avoiding some of the pitfalls. So number one, I think it should be a digestible issue. Okay. So that whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, have it be a small thing, right? So it's, 
you don't want to say, oh, what, what am I going to use right now to liberate the world? Right. That, that's too big. Okay. Or what am I going to do right now to end the Fed? Right. I think that's a pretty big thing. So instead, what if, you know, if you're do, trying to do some smaller self-contained thing that's, that's got a beginning, a middle and an end, that kind of deal. All right. So digestible. That's what I mean by that. Number two, it's flexible on the timing. All right. That I think it's hard to predict what public support's going to be for your idea. And so I, whatever it is that you're trying to do, I think in general, you want to have it to be, have it be open-ended. Okay. And not just be a one-off thing. Because for one thing, it, it might just blow up in your face. Like it might just not work. You might not get the support. And then even if it is a one-off thing and you do get it to work, like the national opt-out day, then people are just going to move on. Okay. So I think that's, you, you want it to be more open-ended and flexible on the timing. Because of another thing too, like what if it gets to be bigger and bigger? You, you don't want to prematurely cut it off. Okay. So I, again, I would try to make it um, more open-ended than that. Number three have its results be self-evident to the member of the public, all right? And so with the with the national opt-out day thing, the problem there is unless you were happen to be at the airport, at this point, people looking back using newspaper accounts are going to think that was a total failure. When, as I argued, no, in terms of the narrow immediate goal, it was a total victory. It's just that they got, it got spun by the news. So whatever it is that you're trying to do as you sit there and brainstorm with your friends about what should we do? Let's do something. I don't want to just sit around and complain about Facebook. Let's go do something. I'm saying make sure the thing you pick, whatever its fruits are going to be, are immediately obvious to the beneficiaries, not that it has to go through a gatekeeper like the media reporting on it because they're going to just lie. Okay, number four, it has to help the target. And, and this is very important, it doesn't harm anybody, even people who work for the government, okay? And I know a lot of libertarians, especially the more radical ones, have a hard time conceiving of this, but the reason we don't live in a libertarian society right now is most Americans are not libertarian, okay? Now, you could say, oh, no, deep down they are libertarian, they just haven't been educated. Fine, you know, I'm yeah, that's probably right. If people really could see the society that I'm picturing in my head, 99.9% of them would rather live in that society than the current one, so that's why I personally spend so much of my time on education because I think it's, it is largely a matter of ignorance and just not seeing it the way I'm seeing it. But nonetheless, right now, they're not libertarian, okay? So if you're following around meter maids, for example, and harassing them and saying how they're agents of the state and they're enemies of the people and whatever, and you know the person's clearly uncomfortable and you're getting in their face, the public's probably going to side with them and not you because if they sided with you on principle and said, oh, yes, I totally agree. The city giving parking fines is a gross violation of liberty, comparable to Nazi Germany, and the same rhetoric applies, well, then they'd all be libertarian. We wouldn't be in the situation in the first place, all right? So if what you're trying to do is persuade the public to side with you and not with whatever the state's doing and the particular thing that you're tackling that day, um, you can't do something that only works if you're the good guy and they're the bad guy, right? Do something where even if somebody started out thinking you're the bad guy, well, they would see, oh, okay, well, he's not really hurting anybody, okay? So that's, I think that's critical. Now, when I say it doesn't hurt anybody, I mean in terms of a human being in everyday life, like the free keen thing, technically you could say, oh, they're depriving the city of revenue and so it's hurting them. Well, that, that's not what I mean, okay? But I'm saying conventional everyday 
understanding if you were like telling a eight-year-old what was going on that the kid would be like, oh, gee, well, I feel bad about, you know, the police officer in that situation or, oh, they tarred and feathered the IRS agent. Oh, oh, did they hurt him? You know, that kind of stuff. Okay, number five, it teaches a broader lesson. Okay, so again, with all these things, I think the overarching goal in the short term, probably even in the medium term, is just teaching the principles of liberty and getting that message out. All these other strategies and plans people have, whether it's seasteading, going off the grid, voting in better candidates, secession, all of that stuff requires and will be supplemented by more and more people agreeing on what an ideal society would be or agreeing with us that a, a free libertarian society is the ideal. We might just disagree on how to get there. So I think right now, whatever little techniques or publicity stunts you come up with or you're going to do, it has to partly lead people who are, who are grabbed by it to go learn more. So again, with the, with the Robin Hood stuff, that's why I like the fact that they would put a little note on the car that would then point you to a website or whatnot. So you're, you're not just directly helping people and building goodwill in the community, but you're also for a small percentage who are curious and want to learn more, you're telling them where to go. Six, make it fun and not a chore. So here, that's directly analogous to Saul Walensky's rule that he said, a good tactic is one your people enjoy. So I'm saying that here, that the Epstein thing in particular, the reason that took off is it wasn't a chore, right? Because if it, I mean, I was in a position, I remember I had actually thought beforehand because I was upset that the Epstein thing just died off too, that I was going to put a thing, a note on my calendar to say, you know, every two weeks, make an obligatory Facebook post or something, just saying, just reminding everybody, you know, Epstein, they say he killed himself. That's crazy. Just want to keep it, but you know, I could see what, what's the point of that, <laughs> you know? So whereas the meme thing that became fun in and of itself. And so it, it picked up steam. It was self-sustaining. And so again, if what you're doing is trying to get a bunch of people to join in, ideally it has to be something that's fun in and of itself. Whereas for example, opting out is not fun, right? So I still do that on principle just because, but that's more of a, a Kantian moral duty thing, right? I don't like doing it, but it's something I feel like, well, if a bunch of us did this, blah, 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 you know? So that's kind of the, where it's, that's, so that's not a great strategy. Whereas something I'm saying that would be great, and I'm, I'm going back and forth here between strategy and tactic. I, on a different episode, I, I'll be more uh, conscious of that and be more specific, but here I'm speaking loosely. Ideally, it's not going to be something that's a chore because you want other people to be able to join in and do it. Okay. And then the last thing is if you, if you're going to attach a slogan to it, try to come up with something pithy, right? So that's why I really like the taxation as theft thing. The Epstein didn't kill himself. It was perfect. The Robin Hood thing, call it Robin Hood, or I think they call it Robin Hooding, something like that. I, I do like that because some people say, well, no, because Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor. That's not what the, no, I believe the, the original story is Robin Hood actually was stealing from like the king's men and returning it to the people, right? So he was stealing like tax revenue, I believe. All right. And so that's why their, their reference is appropriate. So it's, you can kind of draw the public in with the pop culture reference. And then if people want to learn more, you can say, did you know that actually Robin Hood really stood for blah, blah, blah. And that's what we're doing here. Right. So that's, that's fine as well. So in general, again, you want, you want to have something real or end the fed. That's a good one too. Right. A good slogan. So with all these things, 
if you're going to tr- try to put a label on it, try to come up with something pithy that's it's accurate, you know, it represents what you're doing, but also is memorable and gives people something to, to latch on to. Because to just, to just merely, if someone says, what, what is this all about? You know, what's the name of this thing or whatever? And, to, you know, just have, it takes a paragraph to describe it. You're going to lose people, right? This, so you got to stand out amidst all the noise and chaos of what everybody else has going on to label your thing appropriately. And then if people want to, they can learn more. And that's, you know, you give links or you give some kind of action to point them elsewhere. All right. So I'll wrap up here. This was one more one. I just wanted to get your wheels turning. Those are my thoughts on those four particular tactics that people have adopted to advance liberty. And then I gave you my seven lessons for libertarians. Take them or leave them. Thanks for listening, folks. I'll catch you next time. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show, the podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit bobmurphyshow.com.